Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Practical Priesthood Podcast. We understand that every baptized believer is in the priesthood. The Practical Priesthood Podcast is here to inspire you, to inform you, and illuminate you through the lenses of scripture, theology, tradition, experience, and reason as you live out your everyday life. 1 Peter 2, 4-5 says, Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals yet chosen and precious in God's sight, and like living stones, let yourselves be built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. One of the most basic things a believer can do is pray. But what is prayer? Why do we do it? How do we do it? In this episode of the Practical Priesthood Podcast, we're going to explore these questions and more regarding prayer. Hey everybody, so glad to be back with our P3 family. I know it's been a while, but we are stoked to be with you. Absolutely. Good to be back, Josh. Good to be back, Thad. And we are in the recording chair today to talk about a really important topic. It's a really heavy and big and broad and thick topic. (laughs) Yeah, and we give this because we're only scratching the surface of this topic today. There's a lot of references in this episode, so please check it out. We put it there for you to look at the links and get a couple more tools in your tool bag. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, we're going to we'll try to make sure that there's links for them too. So if you want to if you hear about a book or an article or something that you want to check out later, you can you should be able just to tap on it and go, but um, yeah. So uh, it's been a little bit since we've recorded. It's actually, I think it's been another month. Yes. Between between our two episodes ago and the last one, and then between the last one and this one. Yeah. Um, and and what it is is every time that we're like, all right, we're going to record this week. There's just been some crazy personal stuff in in Mike and I's life going on, um, and with with our work, and it's been just nonstop. So we usually get to. Tuesday or Wednesday of the week we're supposed to record and, we, and usually we talk through the episode and kind of make sure we're on the same track and we talked and we're like yeah we haven't even put notes down we haven't had much time to to spend looking into it and so we we decided pretty early on that when this happens that we're we would rather wait um a f- you know another week or two to to record the episode so then that way we can actually put some time and research and prayer into what we want to say rather yes. than just trying to pump out content for the sake of pumping out episodes. We don't want to do that because we're, we're trying to, um, to do this with the, the whole intention of giving God glory. And we want to be intentional about that. We want to be practical and intentional. Yeah. And just give guys, give you guys the, the quality that we would want ourselves. And like that said, an opportunity to really honor and worship God and what we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So today we're talking about uh, prayer. If you haven't caught on to that by now, uh, hopefully you have. Uh, since it's the title of the episode and we have an introduction talking about it. Uh, but I, re- I think it'd be good for us to start in kind of a, our own uh, personal realms uh, of prayer. So um, do do either of you or even myself, you know, do we have any stories about prayer or, or uh, our own kind of prayer routines that we might want to share? Sure, I'll go ahead and jump in. You know, prayer for me early on um, was so exciting 
I know it's not that way for everybody, but uh, when I decided to really commit to being a disciple and following the Lord, I was just ecstatic to have a Heavenly Father and have a Heavenly Father that I could talk to and 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 pour out my heart and share with. So early on in my in my in my in my discipleship as I began to seek the Lord, prayer and singing were just mm. huge parts of my life that were we've talked about them before but channels of grace, doors of grace that God opened in my life to pour in his love, his comfort, his strength, his wisdom um and it was it was always in the same uh, uh center point of scripture. So I would be singing scripture, praying scripture, talking to the Lord, and this grace and this comfort and this strength would come to me. So, you know, I can remember early on being, uh, you know, I don't know, I think I was probably 17, and I would be in, in the hallways of, a, of an empty building I was working in and just start singing. Mm. Now, praise the Lord. You know, nobody was around to give me the American Idol thumbs up or thumb down and just, you know, boot me off the stage. But it was for the Lord, and I was singing my prayers to God, and God was meeting me right there in that hallway. Absolutely. Now, Josh, is your dad a a, a good singer? Yeah, he is. He is a good singer. All right. All right. There's not not a lot of pastors out there that are actually good singers. Yeah, I can uh, kind of echo off of that. Uh, we do large commercial buildings, and I was cleaning, and I called up my sister and was like, hey, you want to pray? We can sing and pray together. So she was like, yeah, that's what I've been doing the whole time anyway. So uh, it's a cool way to pray in the everyday and uh, experience prayer in the everyday if you can do something like that. It's so cool we have with Bluetooth and phones nowadays. Yeah. yeah. I, I, for me, prayer was, was you know, as a – as a growing Christian, uh, prayer was not a priority for me when I first kind of dove into discipleship. Um, I was really into reading the Bible and studying what was being said and why. But as far as a, a devoted prayer life, that's always been something that um, I've struggled with on and off. Uh, I have weeks, months, sometimes a year that I'm I'm really good at making sure to, to have a, a, a good devotion time and, and prayer time and, and being intentional about praying. And then I have seasons where I don't pray as much as I should. Um, so it's, it's, it's prayer is a, an interesting topic for me and one that I really like talking about, uh, one that challenges me uh, a lot. Um, I know I've, I've, I've prayed when things have got, I, I usually remember to pray and very intentionally when things are bad which is typically when people right. pray is right. when things are going bad. Um, you know, I have, I have friends that, that will, you know, they know what I do and they'll get a hold of me when a loved one is sick or they're, you know, facing a, a difficult decision and they'll be like, Hey, can you pray for me? Can you, you know? Um, and then, you know, those same people when really good things are going on, they, they don't reach out and say, Hey, can you, can you pray for me on this as well? And, and that's kind of that mindset that we get into is that prayer is only for bad things right. that we only pray for when, when something bad's happening or we need something. Um, but, but really we're, I think we're going to learn that, that you don't need to just reserve prayer and you shouldn't reserve prayer just for the negative episodes in your life. Yeah. We even have a cultural idiom where we're talking to people and things have just gone terrible and they say something like, well, all we can do is pray now. Yeah. As though prayer wasn't the first resort middle uh, middle of the road, you know, walk that we needed to have. And then even in the, in the end or in this last quote unquote resort, all yeah. we can do is pray. Well, I think it, I think it comes from this, this mindset of, of, you know, 
uh, I can do it on my own, right? right? right. Um, it's it's this idea that um, you know, if, for example, if I know I can't pay a bill this month, then I say, you know what, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that I can. And and finally, when it gets to a point where it's the day of, the bill is due, I don't have the money, then I'm like, all right, well, the only thing I can do now is pray. Right. And the reality is the first thing you should have done is prayed yeah. and said, you know, Lord, what am I supposed to do here? Um, understanding that, that God is not your piggy bank and you don't you don't just go to God and say, hey, can you magically fill up my bank account with $1,000 to make this work? Um, you know, that's that's very quickly making money an idol. It can. It can lead down that, that dangerous path. Um, but saying, God, can you, can you help me out of this? Like, can you show me what to do? Um, and it's, it's my favorite thing when it comes to praying, um, is, is I've talked to kids before and, and, you know, they'll say, well, I prayed for this to happen. And it didn't happen. And my favorite one was a, 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 a student had told me once, um, I, I prayed that I would get an A on this, this exam, but I didn't. And I'm confused as to why God didn't, you know, didn't help me out. So I asked him, I said, did you study? Mm. And he said, No. Did you pay attention in class? No. Did you talk to people about the topic? No. And I said, well, of course you failed. He's like, yeah, but I prayed and I thought God, I'm like, well, that's not how this works. Right. <laughs> God's not a vending machine. It, yes. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. But um, when we talk about prayer, uh, I like to throw these in because some people get really interested in the in the biblical languages uh, on how these things work. Now, my Hebrew is not the best, uh, so my my pronunciation be is, better, is be not better great. Than mine. Now, th- and if you do follow any of the biblical languages, I am using for Greek the Koine uh, pronunciation, so it might sound different than what you're used to. Um, but the thing the thing with with Hebrew is there's a lot of different words for prayer and praying, and, and depending on on um, the action is taking the form, all of it. Um, so a couple that I that I picked out that I found was, uh, the first one was Palal, and that's uh, strong 6419, and that means to intervene or interpose. Um, you have Sela, which is 6739, um, and that means to pray. You have Atar, which is 6279, to pray, supplicate, and treat. Uh, and those are just, I, I say all that so that if you're listening and you want to look a little bit more into into that, you have Strong's number, but you also know what the what the word is. Now, I'm sure you're going to look at the Hebrew and, and be like, I don't know, I don't know how to say that, but that's okay. Yes, um, you'll figure it out. I promise. It's not too. It's not too bad. Um, but the the word prayer or pray um, also comes to us in the New Testament. Um, um, and, and that word in the New Testament, uh, the, the Greek is, um, prosev, uh, excuse me, um, prosevkame, uh, prosevkame, and that is Strong's 4336. Now, what's really cool about, uh, prosevkame is that it's, it combines, it has basically two, two parts. It's got, um, pros, which means like towards or to exchange. And then it has, um, evkame, which is like to wish, to pray. Um, so, it's you're, properly you're exchanging wishes um, with, with God um, and praying. It really it actually means that you're interacting with the Lord. You're you're switching your human wishy, wishes for God's wishes, His desire, His will. Um, and in and in that that I don't want to say transaction, but in that interaction, right? You're actually uh, being imparted with faith. Yes. Uh, it, it's it, you you're receiving that gift from God, that gift of faith as you're praying. Um, so if you're always like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I have faith. Well, the great place to start is by praying, uh, by, by opening that avenue of, of conversation. Um, 
And uh, what's interesting is, as far as languages go is that um, the word um, prosevkame, right, to pray or praying, is actually really closely connected throughout the Bible with um, uh, what's called pistis or um, pistis, which is faith, which they kind of go hand in hand, I think. They do. When you were mentioning before um, about uh, using that, the lack, quote unquote, the last resort of prayer when it came to paying our bills, mm-hmm. you know, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. And one of the ways we demonstrate the seeking first, and that is where our faith is, where we need our, our divine help from, is praying. Yeah. So we seek first by prayer when we encounter these things because it's an exercise directly of our faith. Yeah, and we've got some. I've got some good notes from some some great commentators that I think are going to reflect that same thing. Um, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. So um, prayer is an intentional communication with God. We're just going to use our our basic definition here, and it can be spoken or it can be written. Now, we have uh, the common way in which people understand is asking God for things or a petitionary in nature, though it does take other forms in both the Old and the New Testament. And it assumes, and this is, this is a critical part to lifting our faith in prayer, that God does hear us and he responds to the prayers of his people. Right. Does he always respond in the way that we want him to? No. Yeah. But, you know, one of the things we pray at the end of morning prayer, which we'll cover, is um, it's a prayer from St. John of Chrysostom, and he talks about uh, answer these prayers that as they may be best for us. Yeah. And that is where we trust as, our, as we do pray that he is our father, and he'll give us what's best for us, not what we always want or ask for in the, in the, in the more uh, modern context. If you have a child that is constantly asking you for sugary, uh, sugary items, candy bars, lots of Kool-Aid. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean as a parent you don't love them if you don't give them what they're asking for. It could actually be the greatest expression of their love uh, that you do not give them that amount of high, you know, high calorie, high sugared uh, food. Right. And and what's it? What's funny about that is, and um, talking about you know sometimes God answers our prayers in a ways that we don't want Him to. Mm. Is I don't. I'm not a big country music fan. I don't listen to a lot of it, but, but being a pastor, when there's country music songs with, with faith inspired lyrics, people typically send them to me. And, and, um, and one that someone sent me that is a, is a song that really bugs me, absolutely bugs me is, uh, unanswered prayers uh, or unanswered prayer by, uh, Garth Brooks. And, and I, I, from what I remember listening to it a long time ago, is that this, this, there's an idea that God just has prayers that He doesn't answer. And theologically, I hate that response. <laughs> I don't think that's true at all. Um, so another country song that someone sent me that uh, I thought had a better way of approaching it was by a guy named what is it? Brad Paisley is his name, and the song's called uh, I think it's it either called No or Sometimes the Answer is No. It's just called No. Um, but in that, he says that sometimes the answers to prayers are no. And I and I thought, you know what? If I'm going to take theology from country music stars um, and, and, and their songs, at least this song is a little bit closer to what uh, is actually going on. Sometimes God just says no right. to the request that we have. And that is his answer. And in, in jest, you know, I just want to let you know I am allergic to country music. You are? Yeah. I just, oh, man. That's I don't think I'd say I'm allergic, but I, 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 I would say that I, it's like, it's for me, it's like eating Brussels sprouts. <laughs> I'll, I'll eat it to be polite if I'm at someone's house and they're like, here, would you like some Brussels sprouts? And I'm like, sure, through gritted teeth. But if, as I'm driving down the road, you know, I'm not like my snack when driving is in Brussels sprouts <laughs> or country music. 
<laughs> so communication with God is primarily offered in the second person voice, meaning we're addressing God directly from the son to father um, direction. And some of the some of the phrases that we have for prayer are petition, entreaty, supplication, thanksgiving, prayer hymns, and lament. These are some of the more biblical ideas of what prayer can come forth as. And, and if you do any study on the book of Psalms, you'll see that the, the entire book of Psalms right. is split up into into Psalms of petition, entreaty, supplication, thanksgiving, praise, hymn, lament. Um, so that's common language even within uh, the Bible. Yeah, yeah. And so one of the things we want to br- bring out as we're talking about prayer is uh, um, when we were just referencing something Leslie Harden had, had mentioned on prayer, um, is our prayers, um, whether they come in petition, entreaty, supplication, thanksgiving, praise, hymns, and lament, <clears throat> our prayers uh, can take forms, and they come by way of what we would now know as liturgy. Those would be our fixed prayers, written down prayers, mm-hmm. and then we have freely constructed prayers with this uh, tongue-tying word that sometimes messes with my lips, extemporaneous. Yes. Woo! Extemporaneous. Just got me a big syllable word. Yeah. <laughs> uh, extemporaneous <laughs> prayer is more free prayer. This is prayers that are not cons- they're not written down for us that we're reading off of. Right. And and if you're you know as you listen to this, uh, a lot of you are going to be in different camps with this. Some of you. Um, have maybe been brought up in a more liturgical setting where a lot of the prayers that you say are written down. They're ones that you repeat. Um, And then there are some of you who have grown up in backgrounds where all you do is extemporaneous praying, Uh, meaning everyone, you know, like there's no written down prayer. You say what comes to your mind, what comes to your heart. Um, You know, that's, that's a a little bit different. So, so the, the the thing that, that needs to be remembered is sometimes People in those separate camps will teach that their way is the only true way. That's right. And we, right. we need, we, I think all three of us would agree and reiterate that both of those are totally fine and they're, they're all, they're both very good. Yeah. And I think when, when we read that definition right there from Brett Scott, that is exactly one of the things. It is not less spiritual either way on what you're doing. And as a matter of fact, having both provides a more fuller, well rounded experience. Yeah. I mean, and I'll, I'll be exa- you know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like I, I, I've grown to really love liturgical prayers. Yes. To 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 respond and resonate on written prayers, um, to write my own prayers. When it comes to extemporaneous praying, though, it is not my strong point. Well, I'll do it. I, I do it every Sunday, but I, it's not where I, I find my my strength uh, in in doing that. I like to I like to sit down and and and, and pray through my prayer. You know, like God, what what am I supposed to say here? And write it down, and and that's just how I've liked to do it in the yeah, past. I don't know what your experience has been as a pastor, but one of the number one things I heard when I was teaching on prayer throughout the years is I don't know what to say. Mm, that yeah. is one of the number one things I've encountered with people when they're asking me after a teaching time about prayer. They'll say, "Mike, that's great. You're 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 admonishing me to pray, and you're calling me to prayer, or you want me to come out to a prayer meeting. But honestly, I just don't know what to say. Mm. And we're gonna have help for you if you're in that camp. 
as we move down here. Um, and we're just bringing out that liturgy often supplies that need. Yeah. And, and we've mentioned this before, uh, and we actually didn't put it in our show notes, which we really should have. This would have been a great thing to go over. But when talking about like, what what do we pray for? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, we'll get to the, some of the practical things later. But I want you to keep in mind also, if you even after all of this, if you get to the end, you're like, I just don't know what to do. I want you to take comfort in knowing that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Uh, so listen to this from, from Romans uh, chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. As believers in Jesus, the Spirit is dwelling within us, active yes. in our lives every day. Yes. And there are going to be moments where either the morning is too strong or you or you frankly just don't know what to say, how to, how to respond to something. Take comfort that God himself is praying for you and with you and 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 by you at yeah. all times. And one of the names that is given to us for the Holy Spirit is helper. Mm-hmm. And he wants to help you to pray. Mm-hmm. He loves to help right. in this area. And, and I want you to know that. So as we're talking about all this, um, and we'll get to some stories later on, but he can help you to pray. Yeah. Um, and so in... in Talking about what is prayer, uh, one of the one of the books that I have I started reading through just a little bit. I have a really bad tendency of starting books and not finishing them uh, all yes. the time, um, but I find little golden nuggets in them. So I wanted to. I have a couple that I wanted to read to you. Um, so uh, N.T. Wright, uh, who uh, was an Anglican bishop, are they in in now in Anglicanism? If you are uh, uh, raised up to the position of bishop. Is that an ordained position? Yeah. Okay. So bishop, priest, and deacon are the ordained positions. Right. So you're ordained into a deacon, then a priest, and then you're ordained into a bishop. Correct. You can't be. Okay. So are, are bishops lifelong bishops in the Anglican yes. Church? Okay. Even, even when you retire, you're still considered okay. a bishop. Okay. So Bishop N.T. Wright, um, who is probably one of the most brilliant 21st, you know, 20th and 21st century theologians yes. um, of, of our time, I mean, read everything that he writes because it is it is sound. Um, so he wrote a book back, I think, in the 90s called uh, The Lord and His Prayer, and he's going through the Lord's Prayer. But in that, he talks about prayer, and this is what he says. If we are serious at all about our Christian commitment, we will want to learn and grow in prayer. When we kneel down or settle in the quiet chair that serves as our personal place of prayer, when we're walking along or riding in the train to work, whenever we pray, this is what we are coming to do to pursue the mystery, to listen and respond to the voice we thought we just heard, to follow the light which beckons round the next corner, to lay hold of the love of God, which has somehow already laid hold of us. We want all of this at our best, not because we selfishly want, as it were, to maximize our own spiritual potential. To think that way would be to import into our Christianity a very modern, materialist, self-centered ideology. No, we want it because we know in our heart of hearts that we want the living God. We want to know him. We want to love him. We want to be able to truly call him father. Uh, And another book that, that has had a really strong impact on my prayer life and one that I want to reread and really implement uh, strongly um, is called the hour that changes the world by Dick Eastman. Uh, Essentially in the book, he's talking about Jesus's hour long prayer and how, if we're supposed to be living like Jesus, that, each day we should have at least an hour of prayer. Um, and he sections this off. It's a great, great book. You definitely need to read it. But, but in it, he says, nothing is beyond the reach of prayer because God himself is the focus of prayer. 
E.M. Bounds agreed when he wrote, Prayer is the contact of a living soul with God. In prayer, God stoops to kiss man, to bless man, and to aid in everything that God can devise or man can need. Charles Spurgeon adds, Prayer is the slender nerve that moveth the muscles of omnipotence. And, and there's a little bit more, but I didn't want to keep reading. Uh, I, I didn't want to do verbatim. But essentially, he says, he goes on to call prayer uh, divine communication, something that can be done without knowledge. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room to, to be That's right. to lead prayer. You don't have to have a master's in theology or divinity to, to be a, a person who prays. Um, it only needs an act of the will. The only, the only thing that prayer needs is your desire to pray. Yes. Um, it's the vision of the believer it's seeing beyond ourselves into God's infinite power. And really, and this for me was just amazing, it's the ultimate indication of trust. Yes. Um, it, it is the ultimate indication of trust because we are laying out our, our wants, our desires, our struggles, our victories before Christ on the cross. Yes. And <clears throat> I, I want to add here, if you do not have that act of will right now and you have heard your mom, your dad, your, your, your pastor really emphasized to you again and again, you know, you don't have to be praying and you don't have any hunger or desire for it. I want to encourage you to pray the, 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 the most dangerous prayer. And I say that in, in, in a proverbial sense, because God will answer that prayer. Yeah. If you ask God, please give me a hunger to pray. Give me a will to pray. Help me to want to pray. Much like the man in the gospels who said to Jesus, please help my unbelief. The Holy Spirit can work with that. Yeah. And so it's a matter of laying down your will and saying, give me your will, Lord. And of course, there may have to be some areas that get, get dealt with when that occurs. So for example, if you're um, uh, full of worry or, or, or other areas where you know that you're in disobedience to God, the Holy Spirit may deal with you yeah. on that. And then subsequently, the will will follow. But you know, be, be open to praying that prayer. Yeah, and, and another thing too is, is that I've, I've talked to a lot of people before who, who, who stop doing things because they don't feel something, right? Right. That there's that feeling language. Um, I, you know, I've heard from people say, well, I stopped praying all the time because I, I just felt like God wasn't listening to me and wasn't responding. One of the most important things that we can do with our prayer life is create devotion. We're a devote. That's why they're called devotionals because we're devoted to the act of praying. We're devoted to it. It, it becomes a part of us. Uh, that's why, you know, in the, uh, Wesley, when he was, uh, you know, at Oxford with his with his, uh, what someone call his band of misfits. They called them Methodists because they had a method of study and of prayer that that right. seemed so bizarre to people. But the reality is, is that even even if we don't feel something in our prayer, even if the emotion is completely gone and we're just going through the motions, it is still prayer. God still recognizes it. God still sees it. And sometimes that's the only way we pray. So if it, if it becomes your devotion, your practice every morning to wake up and say the Lord's Prayer, is there a lot more that you can do with your prayer life? Absolutely. But is that going to give you a better start to the day than it would if you didn't do anything? Absolutely. Sure. The reality is, is in prayer, you don't need to feel a thing. It does not, prayer is not dependent on your feelings, on your thoughts. It is dependent upon a faith, on a will to do the prayer and, and to be in communication with God. Yeah. And we do this in other areas of our life. Yeah. We are disciplined to work out, even though we don't see any muscle growth. And as a matter of fact, it hurts mm. or it's, it, it creates a place of soreness. So um, all things that are going to come by way of growth 
have to be uh, embraced through discipline. Mm-hmm. It has to be, you know, you use the word devoted. Yep. We're doing this in other areas of our life, and we need to make that same extension mm-hmm. to our spiritual discipline of prayer because um, if if feelings don't come, it doesn't mean, A, it's not working, B, God's not listening, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We just need to extend that to say, Lord, I believe. And since I believe, I'm going to enter into the grace that you so eagerly want to pour out to me, whether I feel it or not. And and from you know, on a, on a personal level, I I have um, you know things from from my past and my my childhood growing up that have caused me to really struggle with emotion. Um, you know, and I'm always open about it. You know, I, I go to counseling for this because there's moments where I I feel like I'm outside of the moment and I'm not in, in, I'm not feeling what's going on or I don't, I don't recognize it every, all the time. It's, it's a really strange place to be, but I'm working through it. But one of the things that, that my, my counselor has suggested to me and in, in, in through all of this is, is asking God to show me what the emotions were that I was feeling and, and help me to understand them. And so I say that because sometimes, and even in my prayer life, a lot of the times in my prayer life, I, I do my prayer with almost no recognition of emotion. Um, not that I'm emotionless, but it's hard for me to recognize it. So it does, a lot of my prayers feel, I, I get to the end and I'm like, all right, I just did that. And on to the next thing. Um, it's, but it's, it's not about my feeling at all. Yeah. Um, and, but another thing too uh, that I wanted to mention is that uh, as, as, as Wesleyans, we, we really focus a lot on the means of grace. Yes. And um, prayer, uh, you know, according to Wesley, is one of those means of grace. Um, it's actually considered an individual work of piety. Um, and uh, basically what a means of grace is, is that it's something that, that you are doing that, that um, and God does with, you know, God does for you and with you, that gives you an interaction with God um, and, and helps you feel and, and maintain and experience a, a part of God's grace uh, in your life. Now, again, this isn't to say we're, we're not saying, you know, works-based salvation here, because as soon as you ever talk about doing something or work, people, the red flags go up. It's not what I'm talking about here. But, but there are things that we do as believers that, that allow us to experience God's grace. Yeah, Wesley uses the word common means of grace. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when we pastor people and they're going through a hard time and they're looking for God to answer them, but they haven't opened the door mm-hmm. for the grace to come in. And so you'll ask a question as a, as, as a pastor or a small group leader, so have you been praying about it? And oftentimes people will get that look in their eye, either like, oh man, I didn't think about that, <laughs> or oh, no, I haven't been praying about it. And so what we're saying is that's the common way mm-hmm. that Wesley would say, that that grace is going to come to me. And yep. people so often want God to show up. And we're saying, well, if you want God, quote unquote, to show up or meet you, the common way in which he does that, one of them is prayer. Yep. And because and, a lot of times we just sit around and we're like, God, can you show up in my life? But but and, and this is a whole other topic for a whole other episode, which might be a good episode to do is the means of grace. Ooh. But but it's it's if we're wanting God to, 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 if we want to experience God, yes, prayer is one of the means of grace. That's one of the ways that we can, we can have that interaction. But there, I mean, we're, we're talking about things such as um, 
addressing the needs of the poor is a means of grace. Um, visiting the sick, visiting those in, in, in prison. If you know someone who's who's hungry or can't afford food, you buy them a meal and, and, and give it to them. Things like that. Um, I mean, those are all, all works of mercy, but participating in the sacraments, you know, uh, you know, being a part of communion in, in, in the baptismal uh, sacraments. I mean, these are all great things, attending worship, so on. Those are all means of grace, but we're focused on one today. That's right. That's right. <laughs> because we could easily get off topic with this and go down the rabbit hole of, of, pray, of prayer. So, um, Mike, why did Jesus pray? So Jesus had a pattern of prayer in his life, first of all. And as followers of Christ, we should be looking at Jesus when we're talking uh, about prayer. And one day while he was praying in a certain place. Uh, and that's referring back to Luke Luke 11, chapter 1. Right. So there were certain places for prayer that he frequented. We see in the Gospels a place on the mountains. We obviously see one of the more famous spots in the Garden of Gethsemane and a retreat near the seashore. Now, he often prayed because his priority was to maintain a close relationship with his father. So this is how he's going to do it. He's going to pray. He prayed before he made important decisions, like choosing his disciples. He prayed when the demands of the life crowded and exhausted him. He prayed when temptation was strong. He prayed when he struggled with the prospects of pain and death. He sought out time with the Father and the strength needed, the perspective and the purpose, God's will and counsel that he would gain from prayer. He prayed about the same things and for the same reasons that should cause us to pray. And that whole thing, I put this in there because I thought it was beautiful, comes from uh, Ken here uh, in his commentary on Luke. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's, it truly does show you that, that praying is an act that we do that is reflective of what Jesus did in his earthly life. That's right. That's um, right. Even, even God himself as human prayed. Uh, it, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, that, that commentary on Luke just sets up an accurate picture for us because as humans, we need to see what we're talking about. And in the life of Christ, you can see a prayer life. Mm, absolutely. Be prayer life. Um, but uh, another commentary on, on Luke. So the reason I have a bunch in Luke is because a lot of the, the um, um, oh, goodness, the, um, the lectionary uh, readings. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Uh, the lectionary <laughs> readings, the gospel has been focused a lot in Luke. So I've been doing a lot of reading in Luke and stuff. Um, and, and, really focusing on Luke chapter 11, verses 1 to 13. So that's the story of, of where we have um, Jesus teaching the disciples the Lord's Prayer, um, but also the the parable about the, the friend at midnight, you know, coming to ask for help. Um, but in this commentary talking about it, you know, uh, we have a guy named Fred Craddock, who, who in his um, commentary on Luke says uh, this, the point of praying is that our friends, excuse me, no, that's not correct. Um, let's see here. Um, I just want to read what this says about it. The concluding unit, so verses 9 to 13, extends further the reasoning from lesser to greater, or how much more will God respond to you? The analogy, so talking about the the the, the, um, the friend at midnight, that mm-hmm. parable, yes, um, is how much more will God answer you? If, if, you're, if you think about the parents, parents answer the, 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 the desire of the children and give them good gifts, so how much more will the father do that? Um, and, and I just think that's an, another important part of, of all of this is that in our prayers, we're recognizing God's 
desire and his ability to give us what we need and what we not what we want as long as it's within his his will yes to do so um and if and the whole concept of that is that if if you know uh josh if you could go to your dad here mike and say hey i you know i'm i'm in trouble i could really use i'm hungry can i get a loaf of bread there's no way your dad's gonna look at you and say all right here's a rock good luck eating this he's gonna provide for what your needs are and you know um your dad loves you, but nowhere near the same way that God loves you. And, and, and that's just, that's what we see here in prayer. Yes. Yes. That extension. And, you know, part of the thing he, he mentions here too, um, is that prayer is to be continually asking, seeking, knocking in the present imperative. But even so this persistence, this persistence is within a parent child relationship, Mm. which assures good gifts. Yep. And so one of the things that we're recognizing, and if you go in circle, especially through Matthew 5, how many times Jesus reveals God as Father. Oh, yeah. This sets up the, the, the relational side of prayer. The relational side is child to father. And this, uh, we were talking about discipline before. We were talking about duty and devotion before. But if you will, set inside your mind this context that you're going to seek your heavenly Father yeah. in prayer. And that's a drawing in and of itself that we, we, we are going to our father, our good father. And we're beginning to, to start through the petitions, the seeking, the entreaty, the listening, so on and so forth. Yeah. So we pray because God wants us to partner with him in bringing heaven to earth. Oh, interesting. So as we're in this parent-child relationship, there is this other side of prayer that is a co-laboring with God. So Jesus taught us to pray the famous Lord's Prayer. In it, he says, pray then this way, that thy kingdom would come and thy will would be done. God asks us to ask, and there's a divine and mysterious partnership in us praying and God acting. So the things that are going to occur on earth, God requires us to ask first, which is extremely humbling that God would even allow for that partnership to occur because he's so sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. But he's asking for this extension in relationship for us to ask first. And it's mysterious. I mean, it's awesome, but I don't I don't understand the deep uh, mind of God on why he set it up this way, but yeah. he did. Yeah, absolutely. It, it allows us to become a part of the, the, the reason why things do happen. Um, it, it, again, it's that partnership. It's really beautiful. So as such, if we don't pray, we are failing to partner with God in bringing his kingdom. And as such, miss a unique privilege of laboring with him and the closeness that is forged with God when we pray. So when we're not engaging in prayer um, b- beyond just, well, no, even this, when we're asking God to deal with our own hearts, mm. Um, and then when we're dealing, dealing the next ring out, which may be our family, and the next ripple out is our is our church, and then our community and our state, we we are going to miss a unique privilege of of seeing not only these um, uh, heaven to earth moments, but something happens when you work with somebody. Like one of the coolest and fastest ways to become close with people is to work on a single purpose together. Um, so if you want to get close with somebody. One of the great ways to do it is to work together. And what's the most annoying thing when you're working with somebody? 
Like, what's the worst part if you're working with somebody? When you go to the fast food place afterwards to celebrate and it's closed. That is pretty bad, but that's not the worst. Oh, okay. What's the worst? It's when the person that's supposed to be working with you doesn't show up. Ooh, that's, that is definitely bad. Yeah. And if, if we're creating that connection between working with somebody hmm. and it's the same kind of relationship that we have with God, how much, how, how much do you think it frustrates God? Not that if we don't show up, yeah, there's, it. and it, it, and it, I mean, we would get frustrated if God didn't show up, if God didn't show up, you know, in this relationship. And I mean, we would be like, God, where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you doing this for us? But God expects us to show up to partner with him. And I, I can only imagine God, God's frustration there. There's times in the old Testament, especially God will explicitly ask, I looked for a man to stand in the gap, but mm-hmm. I found nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, because he's looking for these type of partners on the earth who will be his kingdom agents. Um, we see the story in Abraham when he's going to bring about destruction on Sodom and Gomorrah. There's no logical reason why God came and told Abraham first. Yep. And we see that in this interaction where God tells him, Abraham begins to have a picture of Christ moment where he's interceding on behalf of Sodom to see God's mercy displayed. And you can read about it in the, in the Old Testament. I want to... Uh, labor it too hard, but there's this interaction where Abraham is pleading with God for mercy, and God is continually generously giving it. And we and we see that with with uh, Moses. Yes, another example on Mount Sinai. So you know. so again, God in, in is in, in invitation, asking these men to engage him in prayer, and then therefore mercy is released. Yeah. Um, in in their in their circum in their <clears throat> excuse me in their circumstances. Yeah. So in essence, why does he ask us to do? What he already wants us to do because a primary reason is relationship. Something occurs with us and something occurs with God where in Psalm 42, it talks about deep calling unto deep. There's something in the, in, in the heart of man that is awakened as he prays mm. to the deep things of God. Uh, so he begins to see the nature of God, the character of God, a love relationship that's strengthened and forged. And then this co-laborer is now in essence, partnering with God, where it, it is the transfer of my will be done to thy will be done. Yeah. And so it's a formative experience. Something's happening to us formationally. We're becoming more and more like God when yeah. this occurs. And it's interesting. If you look at the first thing that really happens in the Garden of Eden is God walking with man. It's one of the things it says, and God walked you know, in the garden. And uh, if you go all the way to the other side of the Bible— all the way to the very end of it, it says in Revelation, uh, let's see, Revelation 22, 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and there will no longer be any night and they will not need the light or lamp of the sun because the Lord will illuminate them and they will reign forever and ever. So we see this relationship going from the first of the Bible all the way to the last. Yeah. And that seems to be God's ultimate mission if you look at it that way it's a driving force it becomes yeah. it becomes a a thematic element that we can miss if we just see prayer as duty discipline and devotion though it always must encompass that all relationships have that but at its core at its heart is this relationship that you're saying right out the gate it was embodied in eden and it's going to be embodied in this new garden and ending in revelation is relationship and so and, prayer and relationship are so synonymous right especially right now and where we are in this you know in this eschatology right where you have the the, the very beginning where we're we're partnered right next to god all the time in in personhood right 
and then we have the fall of Adam and, and the fall of humanity. And we've been separated from the Garden of Eden. We've been separated from the kingdom of heaven. And eventually in Revelation, that, that separation comes back together and it's reflective of the Garden of Eden. Yes. But in that, that space, that liminal space between those two, we are distant from God. We have been separated in, you know, from God in this fallen world. And one of the ways that we interact with the kingdom of heaven, with God himself, is through prayer. Yes. That is, that is how we gain that, that connection now. That's how we make the, the kingdom, the will of God, and the kingdom of heaven a reality right now is through the act of praying. Therefore, let us enter boldly into the throne of grace in our time of need that we may find grace for our present circumstances. This is mm-hmm. what the blood of Jesus does. It makes a way in prayer for that which is eternal to break in onto us right now because of what Christ has done. And praying opens that up. Mm, absolutely. So we we grow closer to God when we pray. We are we are you know bringing about his kingdom purposes. Relationship is developed and we pray to change the earth for his kingdom. And there there are some reasons given to us um, as to uh, why we pray kingdom-wise, like what's happening when the kingdom comes. Um, and so uh, we're going to read a couple of scriptures here in uh, Luke's gospel. I'm going to read Luke twenty-two forty-six, And he said to them, why are you sleeping? Rise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Hmm. So one of the reasons that we pray, um, not just for uh, our, our relationship and bringing kingdom, but directly to our relationship is we're all tempted. Mm-hmm. And Jesus instructs his disciples, one of the ways that you could battle temptation and overcome is by asking for help and praying. It's hard to be tempted to do something when you're actively in the, the process of praying. Mm-hmm. It's hard to be distracted by those temptations if you're constantly focused on praying. Yes, yes. Uh, and, that, and that really goes into what Paul says, right, in, in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, five seventeen. Pray without ceasing. Right. I, I mean that, and it seems you know you, you you hear that and you're thinking how how do I pray without ceasing? Like what do I do here? The reality is is prayer is yes it is a it is an intentional moment in time of of being in with God, but it doesn't mean that you're sitting you're always sitting still, doing nothing and and sitting in the quiet. That is a form of praying. That is a a form of of meditating on God and his word is by sitting still. And we'll talk about it later um later on. Uh, but I mean, it is a devotion and a, and a prayer when you're doing other means of grace. When you're doing acts of mercy upon people. That I mean, the way the way that I have read this and understood it in the past and now is that praying without ceasing doesn't mean a 24 hour, you know, sitting here and just, just saying, dear Lord, thank you for, you know, over and over. But everything that we do should be an offering of a prayer to God in all that we do and say. And if that is our, if that's how we are, are, are running our lives and, and living like Christ in that way, we are praying without ceasing. Yeah. So we see prayer is positional. It's mm-hmm. a positional heart first and foremost, so that whatever we do, we do yep. under the glory of God. And we are going to live as a living sacrifice. All these different pictures uh, that are given to us in the New Testament allow us to see that it is possible to pray without ceasing because positionally in our hearts, we're saying kingdom come will be done in our actions, behaviors, thoughts, etc. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing too is if you, if you struggle, because this concept is kind of hard to, to fathom sometimes. Um, you know, let's, let's say you're someone that works in, in the automotive industry, right? And you're thinking, all right, how in the world is, is my, how am I going to be praying without ceasing as I'm trying to sell this car or work on this car or whatever? I mean, 
part of that positional uh, uh, aspect is before you do your work, saying, God, see my work today as an act of prayer and worship to you. Yeah. As I as I go out to sell, you know, cars to people, let me be honest. Let me be true. Let me, you know, let me do what needs to be done to help the people who come in here to find whatever. I mean, we can always be doing that. And, and in those moments, you know, just keep it in the back of your mind. Like, let's say you're a mechanic. You can say, you know, I'm... How am I? How am I praying if I'm just you know tightening up some bolts or you know changing out oil? Like what? How is this? Well, the reality is, is you're doing a service for somebody. Sure, they're paying for it, hopefully, but you you can still turn that into an act of worship and prayer. Yes, you can. Absolutely. So another um, another area of prayer, Paul says, I desire in First Timothy two eight, I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger and quarreling. Hmm. And so Paul is telling us, kingdom come, will be done. Men, you should be praying. And when you pray, make sure your hands are not stained with the sins of the world, the sins of the flesh. And in particular, uh, something that is very prone or common to man is anger and quarreling. And so come positionally in prayer with a place or a heart of purity. When you're coming before God, yeah, and that, and we've mentioned before the anatomy of peace, and that that's another another good reference you can check out. But in that, it's talking about um, trying to focus more on your own heart instead of the heart of other people. Um, so, so one of the things that I've encouraged, you know, especially you see this a lot in election years. You see a lot of anger and quarreling in election years. Yes, I mean <laughs> constantly, and and I mean we you see it outside of election years, but especially in those. And I've, you know, as a pastor, I mean, I get asked a lot of questions about politicians and politics during election years. And the one thing that I try to remind people is that, you know, you've got to pray for your heart to be clean and pure, you know, creating me a clean heart. It doesn't say that that we should be asking, you know, God, create a clean heart in in those people. Now we can, we can be praying for people's hearts to be clean and pure. Uh, All that is fine. But really, our focus should be in ourselves. So one of the ways that we can lessen the anger and quarreling within our lives is if we are actively praying for that, Amen. asking God to give me a clean heart, you know, tamper this anger that I have, um, stop me from creating quarrels with my brothers and sisters and my friends and my family members. That's right. That's right. Josh? Yeah, it says in James... Uh, 5.13, I think we'll be going to 16. It says, if any, no, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful, let him sing praise. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power, sorry, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Mm. Yeah, so here we see another aspect of what prayer does in bringing the kingdom life. Um, is anyone among you suffering, let him pray. And so suffering here is encompassed in what you would call suffering of all areas, physically, spiritually, socially, emotionally. And the remedy is to pray, is is to cry out. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And oftentimes you'll, uh, praises are are prayers put in song form. Um, And then later on, therefore, if you confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, you can experience the healing power of Christ. Mm. And we, we, we both have a, um, a discipline and a devotion of the Wesleyan bands and the, and, and the questions that come along with it. But this yep. is one of the reasons why yep. is we want to experience healing 
is common through prayer as we confess our sins to one another. And that's, I mean, just this morning I met with my with my uh, discipleship band, and um, it's I've got you know two other guys that I meet with, and that's one of the questions we ask. You know, we ask and answer is what sins do you need to confess? Right. And it only does as much good as you will allow it to do. Yes. Um, and and I and I think this is a really important piece of scripture here, especially when talking about prayer, because I don't know if you've inter, you know if you've seen this as much as I have, but a lot of people um, got really far away from confessing sin to mm-hmm. one another. Yes. Um, they a lot of the mentality right now in in not only the church. But the the how do I want to say this? The the people in the world who who dress the part of a Christian but maybe aren't being a Christian, if that makes sense, um, you know, they'll say, "Well, I don't I don't need it." You know, my 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 sins are between me and my God, right? That that's language you hear a lot. In the re- and 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 sure, on an individual level, yeah, that is between you and God. But the reality is, is we're commanded to confess our sins to one another yes. and to God. Yes. Um, it doesn't mean that I, you know, I don't, I don't have the, you know, the, the, the same absolution power that God does. Um, but I am, my, my role is if I hear someone confessing their sins is to go to them and remind them that they are forgiven, yes. remind them that Christ has forgiven them on the cross, but also to pray for them in that. Because I mean, first to confess your sins to someone is to is to put on a lot of trust, and that's what it really comes down to. Is people don't want to confess their sins with other people because of, of feelings of shame, but also out of fear that that sin is going to be used against them. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got sins in my life, especially in my life prior to to being a pastor and, and being a uh, a child of God, where a lot of it's embarrassing, and a lot of it, you know. I mean, there's there can be it could be harmful, you know, if 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 my confession gets in the wrong hands of people, but I'm not told to necessarily worry about that. I'm told to to pray without ceasing, to confess my sins, and to not have a spirit of fear. Yeah, and if we believe that when we're baptized, we are also baptized into the living members, the body of Christ, the priesthood of believers. There. When we sin, there will always be a systemic effect to other believers yep. because we are connected one to another. Now, the ripple effect may not be as dramatic, yep. but we have to recognize that one of the reasons that we do confess our sins to one another is that what we have done has had an effect. And you can see Old Testament examples of this. When one person in the community sinned, it had a ripple effect throughout the community. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and because we're so highly individualistic, in our Western culture, we often miss that, but mm-hmm. it's real. And we hear stories currently that when one member of a, of a, of a congregation sins, it spreads it in a way detrimental to the whole of it. And so what God does in great wisdom, pastoral wisdom, and says, let's nip that in the bud right away. Mm-hmm. And as a practice and as a system, confess your sins to one another so that there could be healing. And of course, you have to work through um, the, the practical means of that, where there has to be restoration, and you know, for yeah. certain sins, and, and and retribution, if it's obviously harmful yeah. in the it, sense of there could be police. But and, my point being, yeah, and you said that you know we, we have a very individualistic mindset with this, but but look at it like even if we want to look at it in the form of a community on the on one of the smallest realms is the family, right? Um, the sins that we commit 
do have an effect on our family, sometimes really big, sometimes really small. Um, you know, for example, if you have a family that there's adultery between the parents, right? You know, uh, the big push today is do what makes you happy. If you're not happy in your in your marriage, just do what makes you happy. Does that mean divorce? Sometimes, sure. Does that mean, you know, cheating on your spouse or someone else who makes you happy? Well, yeah, you know, do whatever makes you happy. That is counter, I mean, that is antithetical to Christianity right. on all forms. And, and in that, Sure, you might be you might be satisfying a, a, a moment of pain and, and giving yourself something a feeling of good in that um, that is temporary, but in that sin, like yeah, it was between you and one other person, sure, but you have now harmed your spouse, your children, your in laws, your community, the people who who love you as a as a couple, as friends, whatever it might be, like that sin has not only, you know, harmed your relation, your own relationship with God, but with the people around you. It is a huge wide effect. Now, if you're, you know, you stole a candy bar from the grocery store, that's not going to harm your family nearly to the same degree. It still is harmful. You're setting a bad example for your children and, and your and your loved one or, or whatever. But you can you see what I'm saying sure. is that the family unit is the community that you can really look at and see, wow, this my sins do affect other people. Sometimes big, sometimes small. And thank God there's a there's a scripture like James five thirteen and sixteen leading us and commanding us. Mm-hmm. So let's get down to some of the nitty gritty. Let's okay. get to the practical side of this part of our priesthood. How can we pray, Pastor Dad? Um, well, we can pray with fixed prayers, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, with liturgy, um, and we can also pray with with what's called free prayer or the extemporaneous prayer. Um, those are just two of the basic ways. So praying the liturgy or scripture. In this case, we'll start with liturgy or scripture. Um, this offers us the words to say. Okay. And like I was sharing before, that is one of the number one things I've heard from people. And so um, this cannot be overstated because um, people lack language. I know that sounds weird, but when they're going to address God and they're going to talk to God, they there's this like, well, what, what can I say or what should I say? Well, this is what's really awesome. In the case of liturgy, um, it's often scripture that's been arranged for you to pray or to worship or those common Catholic prayers which have proven to display the wisdom and the fruit of God's spirit-led types of prayer. So as an Anglican, you know, I have the common the common book of prayers. And so in there, there are collects or, or the collected prayers of the people throughout the centuries, and they literally tell you or help you to pray by giving you the words to pray. Right. And, or like, you know, you talked about the rearranging of scripture into a prayer. I mean, look at, we had talked earlier about Luke 11, right? The Lord's prayer. This, I mean, this is how it appears in, 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 in the Bible. Um, you know, uh, starting at 11 verse two, he said to them, when you pray, say, so this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day your daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us and do not bring us into the time of trial. Yes. That's where it ends. But 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 as the church, we have the Lord's prayer. We've we have rearranged and added in truths from scripture into this prayer to make it uh, a, 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 something that we understand in our language um, as a formalized prayer. Because if you read this as the prayer, it kind of seems choppy and doesn't seem like it makes much sense to us in English. It might have made a lot of sense in Greek, in Aramaic, in Hebrew, whatever. Um, but that's why, you know, through the King James Version days, we got the, the Lord's Prayer in yes. the form that we have it now. Yes. 
So th- those prayers given to us in different uh, types of liturgies or scripted prayers, if you will, allow us the words to pray. And you can oftentimes um, just pr- before the words pass through your lips, let them come from your heart. Mm. It does not have to be mechanical. Yeah. And we want to encourage you that that it's not just if you're struggling. This is part of the discipline that I do, and we're going to talk about this just about every day is to do um, morning prayer uh, as it's in, recorded in the, in the Book of Common Prayer. And much of it, it's just written down. Yeah. And I'm praying through it because it's the collective wisdom of the church. It's full of good fruits and so on and so forth. Now, another way to pray is to pray the scripture directly. Mm-hmm. And this has the added benefit of being the divine words of God. Yeah. And when they're prayed in light of the uh, of Christ and his new covenant, they, they add to our faith because we're praying the direct will of God and they disciple us in the process. Yeah. So we see examples of this when we pray the Psalms directly and something called the apostolic prayers, which are found in the beginning of the epistles. Yeah. So Psalm 23, Pastor, that. Yeah, well, I, I had said that one of the practices that I have that I had learned um, a little while back was to rewrite some of the Psalms. Um, and, and what I mean by rewrite it is is to to change the language. Because the Psalms is, I mean, it's the common prayer book, the hymn book of the people, right? So, for example, what I mean by this is, right, typically in the, in the, um, the 23rd Psalm, you have the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, right? Uh, he leads me beside the still waters. It's, it's, it's coming from that first person, which you, you know, depending on, on how you're doing or where you're at, like that's all fine and good. But sometimes you need to hear your name that's in right. that. That's right. Um, you know, I can pray for myself all day, but when someone puts their arm on me and says, you know, Thad, let me pray for you, you know, Father, be with that. There's something about that that mean that means something to me. Yes. And so, if you write yourself into the Psalms, it kind of helps you to see that. So, one example, you know, Psalm 23 could be this: The Lord is Thad's shepherd. Mm-hmm. And he shall not want. The Lord makes Thad lie down in green pastures, and he leads him besides the still waters. That's right. That's right. And it sounds weird when you're Thad and you're writing it, and you're like, wow, I'm talking about myself in the third person. But as you read it, you start thinking, you, it, it's just a different view of, of what the scripture is saying. It helps you to see it, though. And uh, one of the apostolic prayers, one of my favorite ones, is in Ephesians 1.17. And Paul says, please, Father, Give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. So do the same thing. If I'm praying for myself or somebody else, I say in the case of my son, Josh, God, I pray that you would give Josh the spirit of wisdom Mm -hmm. and revelation and the knowledge of him. And again, it just has this uh, explosiveness for the the heart because our our heart just leaps in faith and we get to experience discipleship in the process. So directly praying the scriptures in light of the new covenant. So when we're talking about the Psalms, we always have to cover, please don't ask God to smash your enemies in their teeth. Okay. We are new covenant Christians. This is not what we do in light of Christ and, and, and his sacrifice. Yeah, absolutely. But it does find its fulfillment in Christ. And that's for a whole other, uh, Jesus did not smash his enemies in his face, but <laughs> this is for another another podcast. Yeah. But my point being is, please pray in light of the uh, of Christ and the new covenant when you're using uh, the scripture as your as your prayer guide. Absolutely. Uh, another thing that you can do is you can actually write a collect. Yes. Um, those are, I mean, we have collects that have been passed down through generations and generations of the church, but you can write your own. Now, there's a really great article that I'll make sure I put a link to. It's called "The Anatomy of a Prayer Using the Collect in Worship" by Patrick. Um, I think it's Borkel. Um, and I changed some of the names of, of, of the parts in this, but essentially um, in a collect, you have an invocation, 
right? And that's where you address the prayer to God. You're, you're welcoming God into the conversation. You have adoration where you're, you're listing a quality about God. Now, what's important here is that the quality is connected to what you're requesting from God. Uh, then you make the petition. You ask for something specific. You, you list what you're, what, why you're contacting God in this way. And then you have aspiration, um, and in that, you're naming what the result is that you're requiring or desiring, I should say. And then finally, you end with a plead. And, and what, what, what it means by pleading is that you're concluding the prayer through the name and the power of Christ our Lord. So I'm going to read you a prayer, um, a, an example collect here, and, and that way you can kind of see how it works. So part one is adoration, right? Or, or invocation. So most holy God. And then you move into adoration, the source of all good desires, all right judgments, and all just works. And then you have the petition, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give. And then you have your aspiration. So what's the point of that? So that our minds may be fixed on the doing of your will, and that we, being delivered from the fear of all enemies, may live in peace and quietness. And finally, you have the pleading, through the mercies of Christ Jesus, our Savior, amen. It's short, it's sweet, it's to the point. But if you get into that practice, you can really start writing your own personal, beautiful colics for your own reasons. And if you've never heard that word before, colics, um, this is a liturgical term or yeah. a term used in liturgy. And uh, it was the practice of the church to take those prayers that were the most rich, the most widely used, and had this great theology, and they would put them inside of our liturgies. So if you see that word, that's what it's relating to. It's the collective prayers of the people yeah. that are often used in rhythm. Yeah. So they're set in certain collects for certain weeks mm -hmm. and certain parts of the church calendar, and um, they're awesome. So I just want to give that to you, and that, yeah. that was a great example of, yeah. of a way we can engage in a, in a collect. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then, yeah, so we've, we've, we've really kind of touched on it that you can, you can read your prayers, you can write your prayers, you can sing your prayers, um, you can pray your prayers. Those are probably a good thing to do. Uh, yeah, I find, yeah, uh, singing, uh, prayers a really good way for me to get it in, especially when I work a lot. Uh, sorry. And, uh, I find that, uh, really helpful. Like, when I'm working, usually I need some sort of rhythm or beat to keep me going. Mm. And it's just a fun way for me to, you know, pray the Lord's Prayer singing it and uh, just to have the petitions on my heart because um, it just adds another dimension of beauty uh, to it. Yeah, and one of the – this is a modern version of Lectio Divina, which we're going to cover in just a little bit. But this read it, write it, sing it, pray it is uh, from my friend Kirk Bennett. And one of the things that we saw with it, is it was a great way, again, <clears throat> to get language and formulate prayers. So essentially, you take a section of scripture and you take out your notepad and you write it down seven times, whatever it is, prayerfully. And then as you're writing it out, then you begin to sing parts of it to God. So if we were doing the Ephesians 1.17 as our uh, read it, write it, sing it, pray it passage, um, we begin to sing those. I won't sing for you right now, uh, but we begin to pray and sing, God, I ask for the spirit of wisdom and revelation or for praying or singing for that, for a loved one. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit begins to drop phrases and prayers and um, pass, you know, light on that passage and we write them down. And then those become more seeds for future prayers and more seeds for um, 
opportunities for us to engage God in. So if we were praying and I was like, oh God, I wonder what the word revelation means. And I look it up and I look up the word revelation and I find out it means to turn the lights on basically is what that word means in the Greek to enlighten. Oh, then I begin to sing that to God or I'm singing to God in in an intercessory way for my friends to have light in their heart. And then obviously you begin to pray those things back to God. So it's it's kind of a modern version of Lectio in, in, in a little way, but it found it to be really helpful because I'm writing it down, I'm using more of my senses, and then even on the side of the paper, you can have a little spot for distractions. If you're, which does does happen quite a bit when you're praying, you remember all of a sudden you need to pay your cell phone bill <laughs> or that the dog needs to go get their shots updated at the vet, just write it down on the little piece of the corner and you can just keep engaging in the scripture and prayer. And, and, and you're mentioning the, the music part too, um, and understanding that reading through scripture and, and music are all ways that we can pray. One of the things that I've, I've really enjoyed um, so I mentioned earlier, I'm not a huge fan of, of, of country, but I actually, I like rap and hip hop. Um, and, and there's a, there's a group called Streetlights and they have, I think it's called the Streetlight Bible or Streetlights Bible, but they essentially sit down and they read through, um, chapter by chapter of, of, of different books of the Bible and they throw on music behind it. So, um, I'm actually going to, what I'll do is I'll insert a little, a little sample of that for you right now. First Corinthians chapter two, Paul's message of wisdom. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid, yeah, so I hope you, I hope you like that. It's pretty cool. You should check it out. They're on I think they're on Spotify and they have their own website. But it's 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 really neat. It's one way like for me if I'm on a long car drive or something like that and I want to listen to some scripture. Um, that, that's just a good way for me to do it. Yeah. So we can also pray together or we can pray alone. This is just the practical side of it. Um, oftentimes, if you're struggling to pray, praying with somebody does give a huge boost. And uh, we're gonna look at now some tools to help us pray. Uh, and and we've we've covered some of these, um, but I can't because we're pastors. We have to do it. Okay, we're going to always encourage you to go to scripture. Yeah. Okay. So pray the scripture. A practical tool for you. Everybody either has an app and or they have a Bible directly. I say everybody, most everybody. If you do not have a Bible and you are listening to this and you need one or want one, email us. Email us, please. We will send you a Bible. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. If you if you know of someone who needs a Bible, like we're and we're being serious with this. If you know someone who needs a Bible or, or you've lost yours or yours has fallen apart and you need a new one, you email us, send us a message on Facebook, write it in the comments, give us a review and say, hey, you guys said you'd send me a Bible and we'll get connected with you and we'll make sure it happens. Yeah. And we can't, we can't overstate it. So, no. um, so precious promises is what is described to us by Peter. These precious promises help us to pray. Look at this prayer in Colossians 1.9. And so from the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so mm-hmm. as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And Paul continues to go on with the prayer. That already covered the Lord's prayer in Matthew 6, 9 through 10. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. And here's another example from the Psalms. A very prayer you can pray. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. What 
what a prayer. Yeah. And Lord, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Mm. Just profound. So go to the scripture. Yep. Another tool for you to explore also is the Book of Common Prayer. Amen. Um, that is a that is a book. So there's uh, a couple of different versions of the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, if you look up right now the Book of Common Prayer, if you just Google that, you're typically going to find the one that's used in the Episcopal Church, um, and that is the 1979 is the most current. 1979. Okay, um, but the the Book of Common Prayer that. Um, uh, that Mike has, and the the one that I have, uh, even though I'm not an Anglican, I have it is the Anglican Church of um, North, the Anglican Church of in North, or or of, of North, the Anglican Church of North America of North America um, made uh, one in 2019. Yes. So there's a 2019 version of it which I have um, as well, and that's that's what I use. There's even an app for it as yeah. well. That, and there's that a, it's free PDF. Mm-hmm. You can get it for free. Yep. And so one of the tools we want to help you with is something called the daily offices. Mm-hmm. So. Real brief history, the church, as it was coming through the Reformation, realized that not everybody was going to be able to have the privilege of living in a monastery and literally praying with a group of people 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so what they wanted to do was see if regular moms and dads, boys and girls, grandmas and grandpas could enter into the daily offices essentially three times a day, morning prayer, uh, afternoon prayer, if you will, lunchtime around that time, and evening prayers, and take the model given to us in the monastics, which is we've been talking about praying scripture. That's what they mostly do is pray the scripture and break it down so that you can pray through the daily office, morning, afternoon, and in evening. And so inside the Book of Common Prayer, the daily offices are listed. Yep. And it's going to help you go through a confession of sin. It's going to go through and help you pray the Psalms. It's going to help you go through and pray the Our Father and recite prayerfully the Apostles' Creed and et cetera, have the collect for the day. It is a really rich, full it is. prayer diet. And it take and, and usually it takes about twenty to thirty minutes, depending on yep. how how quick you read. And and you know there there are spots for uh, intercessory prayer and for you know sitting if you're alone or sitting with a group of people that you can sit down and say, hey, this is you know can you be praying for this? Um, what's what's really cool? What I like about it too is um, uh, it, in the daily office, it's the very front part of the Book of Common Prayer. You have morning prayer, you have midday prayer, you have evening prayer, you have a compline, you have family prayer. One of my favorites recently has been the family prayer. Yeah. Because I, I can sit down for twenty to thirty minutes, uh, in, in you know, especially in my office and and do my prayer in in the sanctuary. Um, but it's hard for my for my wife and my my six month old to be able to sit down and do that as well because usually my six month old is now at the point where he's trying to he's getting a lot more wiggly and it's hard it's hard to to do that. The family prayers I have found have been such a great supplement. If if I if we cannot sit down for, as a family and pray for thirty minutes in the morning while we're trying to get ready for the day, the family prayer is a condensed version of that where yes. we're praying for each other for the day. It's a it's a beautiful thing that you can do. Um, and one of my favorite things about the about praying through the daily office is doing it with other people. It's great. It's great tool to do it on your own. Um, but if you if you go on Facebook, uh, and I'm I'm going to do a shameless plug here. It's not really shameless. Well, it is shameless, but it has nothing to do with me. Uh, if you go on Facebook and you look up the uh, the Anglican Church of Wilmore, uh, and and that's Wilmore, Kentucky. So that's where the seminary is that Mike and I went to, Asbury. The Anglican Church of Wilmore actually every day um, has a live video. I think Monday, maybe Monday through Friday of the morning prayer. I think they do midday 
they might do comp line in the evening as well. So it's, but it's someone doing it with you. And that's really nice, especially it if it's, if it's hard for you to, to do it yourself, that's a, a great tool as well. And if you're struggling in prayer in general, um, or you're just looking for a, a really robust spiritual discipline and diet. And when I mean robust, you're going to be reading Old Testament. You're going to be reading New Testament. Mm-hmm. It's going to cover a lot of ground. This is a great way to do it. Yep. And the family prayer, we're talking like five, maybe 10 minutes. Yeah, if that. And if you have little kids, cannot recommend it to you enough. Yeah. Okay. So um, Lectio Divina is another ancient church practice for prayer. Uh, it means the divine reading. And uh, in Lectio, uh, Lex, Lexio, Lex with an X. Yeah. So there's there's it's Latin, and there's ec, there's ecumenical Latin, which is like the church Latin, and so it would be it would be like a the T I O is like a t- sound. So well, it's it's go. Lexio Divina. Rock on. I know, because I, I was always I always struggled with that. I actually was looking at that earlier today. I've always heard it as Lec. I know. Lectio. So either way, we, we we know what you're saying. <laughs> so the steps in it, uh, again, we're going to go through it briefly. Um, we read the text. You pick a text of scripture. And notice, again, the church is always centering around scripture. Then you're going to meditate on that scripture. And don't be alarmed by that word. In the ancient Hebrew, it's essentially when a cow or another animal chews on grass or cud. Yeah. And so it's a lot of just repeating prayerfully and chewing on the scripture R- again and ruminating. again. Ruminating. Ruminating. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And then we pray the text and then we contemplate how we can obey and live it out. Yeah. And and if you want to to learn more about that whole – because that's a whole other – I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. There is. I mean, it's really simple, but there's a lot of great content to it. Um I would not, I cannot suggest enough the book called Eat This Book, which sounds funny because it's about, you know, cud and chewing, uh, is by Eugene Peterson. Uh, the next is an actual a video, and I'll, I'll share a link for it. It's by a group called the Catholic Central, um, and they actually have a, a video that describes uh, Lexio Divina. So I'm going to goof it up now. Uh, Lexio Divina. Um, pretty thoroughly at, and gives these parts, but it, it, the, the whole process is split into those four parts. The, you have lexio, you have meditatio, you have oratio, and you have contemplatio. Those are your fancy Latin words. Good job, um, guy. Thank you, thank you. Um, but that's what Mike had said is they're there to, to read, to meditate, to pray, and to, to put into action those things. And it's really cool because um, – Lexio Divina is not something that we that we do if we're trying to do a really hardcore deep Bible study. That's not what the point of it is. Um, essentially, what it is is you sit down and you you pick. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to give an example because this can be kind of a difficult concept if you've never heard of this before and you're confused. So you just pick a, a piece of scripture. So it could be like. Uh, Acts chapter 27, verse 9. Since much time had been lost and sailing was now dangerous because even the the fast had already gone by, Paul advised them, saying, and then he goes on, right? In, in, in Lectio Divina, you're, you can read a whole chapter, you can read a whole verse, whatever it is, but let's say you read that verse and you're reading it a few times, right? And, and keep in mind that that these four aren't necessarily in this order, they except for contemplation contemplatio might you might want to put at the end but you really you can kind of meditate first then pray then read and so on but you keep doing it over and over and over again and sometimes it takes 20 minutes 30 minutes however long you can do it for but as you read over that verse um you you look for you see if any word or phrases stick out to you 
Um, so for example, it could be like, since much time had been, had been lost. That could be the phrase that really sticks to you as you read over it. And, like, and, and so you sit, you read it, you're like, okay. And you meditate, you sit there and you just, you, you think, why is, why is this sticking out to me? And then you enter into a time of prayer where you're like, Father, um, you've highlighted to me as I've read your word since much time had been lost. Am I losing time in something? What, why is this sticking out to me? Um, did I miss an opportunity or maybe an opportunity is going to come up that I might miss? You know, what, what do you want me to do here? And then you can go back into meditating on that and listening. You know, the whole point of meditating is to listen and to understand. And then you can, you can contemplate. You could get from that and, you know, God might reveal to you that, you know what, you did miss an opportunity. The Spirit spoke to you and you decided to ignore the Spirit. And you can say, yeah, you know what, you're right, Father, I did do that. Let me, let me make sure I don't do that again. And I'm going to keep a, a more open mind. So that's your your quick and dirty of the uh, of the Lexio Divina. And it's good for us as we're talking about this, because again, this is another pastoral thing that we've had to deal with over the years. As you're praying, please, hundred percent, if you're ever hearing or listening to God, and it's something outside of the realm of Scripture, that is not God. Yes, don't do it. Yep. Okay. And 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 then the, the subsequent is if it goes against the nature or the character of God as revealed in Jesus Christ, don't do it. And so we, we always have to give that because as we're talking to people and we're telling them to engage God in prayer and they're listening and they're, and they're being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I have had conversations with people in which mm-hmm. they tell me things that they allegedly heard God say or do, and they are so outside of the, of the main and plane of Scripture and or the nature or the character of God as revealed in Christ that you just have to go, brother, sister, that ain't God. Uh, yeah, if, if, if I... If I went to Mike and I said, and, and I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm, this is a hypothetical situation. I went to Mike down. I'm like, Hey, I got in a fight with Larissa this morning, my wife. Um, and we got in a really bad argument, you know, because I didn't put the toilet seat down again or whatever. Um, and I sit there and I go, Mike, I was talking to God. I was praying. I think, I think God wants me to get a divorce because I'm just not happy like that. That's the only reason I'm just not happy. Things are not going well. I think God wants me to get a divorce. God, I heard God tell me get a divorce. I would hope and pray that your response would be, brother, that that's not coming from God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and this is there is other spirits. Yes. Okay. And spirits, so spiritual warfare is a very real thing. The chances are it, it was it was an evil spirit, or don't forget, we still have a mind that needs to be renewed mm-hmm. constantly by the final authority of God's word. So Absolutely. as you're going through this process, it can't be overstated as well from a pastoral perspective. Please, 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 please keep um, your heart and your mind before the light of Scripture and, I, and Christ. Yes, I would always advise if you if you think you have heard something from God in your prayers, even if it's something small, like you feel like God is telling you to wash your dishes a certain time of the day, whatever it might be, my encouragement to you is to bring that before the body of believers. Amen. Go to a friend, go to a pastor, go to someone you trust, go to a mature believer and say, hey, I was praying and I feel like God was telling me this. Can you A, pray for me for discernment or B, can you help me search the scriptures that supports this statement from God? Because if it's not there, if, if it, you know, it, maybe this isn't from God. And that's why we talk with one another as believers is to encourage one another and to, and to say, yeah, you know what? That, that does sound like it's from God. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this last one we want to get into is another ancient church practice called the daily examine. The daily, 
I have no idea. Okay. I didn't look into this. I, I heard I someone say it one time, examine. Well, I mean, so. they're probably <laughs> British in that, but. Amen for our British brothers and sisters. <laughs> um, and this is a cool form of prayer because it does involve journaling. And there are the journalers mm. out there, just high five to y'all. Some people are not journalers. That's and that's, that's okay too. I've tried it. I can't. I, I, mm. And it goes in season sometimes as well. It does. Um, but in the daily, again, and you can Google this, uh, in the daily examine, you're starting out in your journal asking God for light. It's a short, brief sentence, very similar to Ephesians 1, 17, 18, and 19. And then we give thanks to God in something practical that has occurred in our lives um, or even general, but it does help to make it practical because this is a personal uh, time to, to be journaling. And then we begin to review the day. This is by St. Ignatius of Leola. We begin to review the day in light of where we experience God's consolation or his comfort and where we're experiencing what he called desolation, those areas where we are in lack or we're in need or we're in challenge. And we journal those things. And again, this is a lot like what Pastor Thad said. It's a matter of highlighting what comes up in that time that you begin to deal with in those two areas. And so there's a rejoicing in the comfort and the consolation. And then there's also this desolation, Psalm-like prayers, where you begin to pray Psalm 13, where you say, Lord, how long, O Lord? How long will you let me take counsel in my own soul? How long will you, um, and you prayers like forsake me or all these different prayers in the Psalms, Psalm 22. And you begin to journal that and you begin to let the Lord speak um, into the situation. Uh, the examine then goes to facing your shortcomings that the Holy Spirit may be dealing with. And then obviously praying about those. And then you begin to ask God's blessing and help on the day to come. I got to be honest with you. As soon as you said desolation, all I could think of was the desolation of smog. You went more to I did. I'm sorry. As soon as you said that, I was like, ah, there it is. Um, and that, and that's a, and the daily exam is a great tool. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, that's a great way to start your day. It's a great way to end your day. Um, and, and we didn't really touch on it much, but another, another great thing to do is to look through John Wesley's self-examination questions to use that as part of, of, of your daily exam. And, um, some examples of that, you know, that he asked that, that you would ask yourself is, can I be trusted? Am I a slave to dress friends, works, or habits? Did I live the Bible in, or did the Bible live in me today? Am I enjoying prayer? Did I disobey God in anything? So on and so on. Those are great, yeah. great tools to, to help you in your prayer life. So we hope this helped you to pray today. And we're hoping that it will keep putting logs on the fire of your heart mm. to want to keep seeking God and, and, to, and, and to be letting the, the, the fire of his love burn bright in you. And we want to give... Um, a shout out. This podcast actually came because of interaction that we had through one of our listeners who was talking to somebody else. And this is where this podcast came from. They were like, it would be great if we could do a podcast on prayer. And mm. so we're asking you to reach out to us. We're asking you to connect with us and say, hey, we're looking, uh, we'd like to see you guys dive into this particular topic, or uh, you know, maybe you have a question and we could do a whole episode on listener questions. So yeah. thanks again for those of you who are uh, interacting and talking about the material. It's a, This is why we do it. Yep. Um, and we, we want to be a blessing to you, but reach out to us on all the social media sites. Yeah, yeah. If you uh, if you want to do that, we are uh, on Twitter and uh, you that's a great way for you to message us and to, to interact. Um, and our, our Twitter handle is Pract Priesthood. So P-R-A-C-T and then Priesthood. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, uh, and that one you just look up Practical Priesthood Podcast, or I guess there is technically an at. You could do Facebook.com/slash 
Practical Priesthood Podcast will take you right to our page. Um, we do have a YouTube channel as well. So all of our uh, all of our podcast episodes we put into a video format. Um, that way, if you have any loved ones who maybe don't know how to use podcasting uh, uh, platforms quite yet, uh, they can go on to onto, um, YouTube and look up Practical Priesthood, and we're right there. Uh, and then the, the other way that you can get a hold of us is by shooting us an email. Um, our email address uh, that, that we are able to check and look over is it's practicalpriesthood at gmail.com. And thanks again for sharing and doing all that hard work of laboring with us to get the message out. So we're, we're grateful for you guys. Absolutely. So we couldn't have a whole episode on prayer without... If we didn't end it that way. Yeah, we got to pray. Yeah. We pray. Um, I, I, I don't mind praying. Please. Yeah, absolutely. God, now that we have taken this time to discuss with one another and to listen about the topic of prayer, we come to you, our mighty God, in prayer. Thankful for all that you have done for us. Thankful for the forgiveness of our sins through the death of your son, Jesus Christ. Thankful that you are graceful, merciful God. Father, we ask, we here at the Practical Priesthood Podcast, we ask that whoever is listening to this right now, whoever has heard these words, that they may be blessed abundantly, that your spirit might convict them in the areas that they need need to be convicted, that you will prompt them into a devoted life of prayer, that if they already have a devoted life of prayer, that you strengthen that and encourage it to grow even more. Father, I ask that you be with all of us in our prayer lives. We thank you for this channel of communication that we have with you, this relationship that you have opened up to us. And we pray that in all the things that we do and say from this moment forward, whether it's in this podcast or in our daily lives, that it all be done for your glory and for your kingdom to be a reality here on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we ask these things, I think saying together, the prayer that your son Jesus taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks, and God bless.